Moving into the next verse. I'm going to read a few verses, but I'm going to concentrate on one primarily today. Galatians, the fifth chapter, the 19th verse through verse 25. But I will more than likely not get past 19. Galatians. Chapter 5, starting at verse 19. Amen. Open your Bibles. Take some notes. Amen. The Word of God reads, Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, Variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Which means that this is not a complete list, but these things are prevalent and obvious. Amen? In the works of the flesh. And then the word of God says, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, Faith, meekness, patience, I mean, excuse me, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Verse 25, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Now, first part of this list. All of these things that we see in the first part of this list come from the lust of the flesh. And I thought that I could pretty much sum these things up and pretty much do a sin drive-by. But I feel in these days and times that I need to break these things down. So you will receive today terminology and understanding and clarification on what sin is, some things we knew that were obvious, and some things that we may not know. Amen? However, the solution for these proclivities, these fleshly carnal choices, is the same. And you will find that in verse 25 of this chapter. Reading it again, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Help me, Holy Ghost. Next few, the next few weeks, should the Lord say the same, I will be mentioning the solution over and over and over and over and over again. Amen? But pointing out different things that we may not know. Amen? Amen. We need understanding in order to apply this solution so that we get victory over our flesh. Amen? All right. 
in this list, there are 15 sins, which can be categorized roughly in four different categories. Sexual sins, religious sins, social sins, and then there's like kind of in parentheses, kind of like sins of excess. We're just completely out of control. Amen? But today we're going to focus, as I said, on verse 19. I'm going to read it again. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lasciviousness. The title of my sermon this Sunday is Bad Sex. And no, I'm not talking about what you would say or what you would examine or what you would believe or desire to be something that you would want to set as a standard for the lustful whatever pleasures that you want to receive. I would say bad sex in terms of what God determines is right or wrong. Amen? Let me start off with a quote. Help me, Holy Spirit. Never, perhaps, has there been a day when it was more difficult to live a clean life than at this present time. Appeals to the flesh abound on every hand. Indecency is brazenly flaunted before our eyes. The vileness in our current magazines knows no bounds. If it be true, as it goes, that as it goes that in the home, so goes the nation, then there is grave cause for concern as to the future of our beloved country. In the steadily mounting divorce rate and the trail of broken homes, from one end of the land to the other. Sensual sins, as the quote continues, says, sensual sins of all kinds are frightfully prevalent in all of American society. Now, this quote was not published in 2005, let alone 2022. This quote was published in 1948. So we have been progressing towards a certain trend and a certain direction for quite some time now. Now, he mentioned a divorce rate. Let me just give you some statistics. You might want to write this down. It's interesting. Speaking of the divorce issue, listen to these statistics. If your parents married others after divorcing, you're 91% more likely to get divorced. According to Nicholas Wolfinger, that's his name, <laughs> Wolfinger, yeah, mm-hmm. in the book Understanding the Divorce Cycle, the risk of divorce is 50% higher when one spouse comes from a divorced parent or divorced home and 200% higher when both partners do. Sexual habits of those who get divorced. Here we go. 60% of cohabitating couples will eventually get married. However, 
living together prior to marriage can increase the chance of getting divorced by as much as 40%. Women who lost their virginity as a teenager are more than twice as likely to get divorced in the first five years of marriage than women who waited to the point to, to, until they were 18. People with six or more Premarital sexual partners are three times less likely to be in a stable marriage. By the exact age of 44, 99% of Americans have already had sex. 95% had had sex before marriage. At the age of 44, 3.3% of Americans have abstained until marriage. 1.3% have never had sex or never been married. Thus, 97% of those who have ever had sex have done so at some point before they got married. Now, what I need you to know is that I did not get these statistics from a Christian website. I got these statistics from lawyers.com. Let me point, let me make my point. It's good for a business to be able to predict if you're going to continue to make money. Being able to make money and continue to be able to make money is something that you need to predict before you go into business. The lawyers who are in business for divorce (laughs) have studied the history. They know that according to the trend, business is going to continue to be good. They might as well show up to your wedding reception and hand you a card. You might need this. Kind of hoping you will. I say that to say this. If it's true that 97% of all those who have ever had sex have had sex at some point before marriage, and the statistics, the statistics say that they're headed into an unstable marriage. And that comes from people who have not abstained. Then we're in trouble. And here's the bigger problem. God has only given us one, and one way only, to have sex, and that is in the context of a marriage between a man and a woman, period. Marriage between a man and a woman, period. If you don't do things God's way, you will not get God's results, and we're proving it. 
the lawyers know more about this than the church. A few more statistics, if you just bear with me, now that I have your attention. (laughs) If a person has strong religious beliefs, the risk of divorce is 14% less than having no religious affiliation at all. Isn't that interesting? The group with the lowest percentage rate when it comes to divorce just happens to be evangelical Christians. Maybe that has something to do with their sexual choices before they even get married. Interesting. Maybe it's because true followers of Jesus Christ have received an internal helper to aid them in conquering their fleshly desires that are not going away. I got your attention, boy. I've never seen y'all. It's <laughs> a different church this morning. Let me say this. There is no internal spiritual war that takes place in any person until that person gets saved. I'm not talking about people who try to lose weight or people to try to stop smoking for better health. Those things are modified for personal health reasons, as we know. But the moment a person gets saved and the Spirit of God moves in and takes up residence, the Holy Spirit begins to rule over things and subdue thoughts and beliefs and actions uh, that he hates. He begins to rule over stuff that he does not like. He begins to strangle and choke things that are not like him. Are you hearing me, saints? So this war is not about a modification. It's really about two opposing spirits that hate each other. Neither side can rule an individual simultaneously. There is no shared rulership nor partnership between the spirit and the flesh. It does not exist. There's only, when the Holy Spirit moves in, a war. Are you hearing me? If there's no Holy Spirit, no war. Got it? Now, to our text. Galatians 5, 19. Let's see how far we get. Now, the works of the flesh... The works, the performance, (laughs) the results of the flesh are, are constantly, the performance, the results of the flesh are constantly manifest. The performance of the flesh, the results of the flesh are constantly obvious. 
okay? Manifest, obvious, evident. You don't need a master's degree in theology to discern when the flesh is in operation. Okay? This is not some mysterious ability given to super Christians. No. No, no. You can not be a part of the elite ecclesia and recognize when you are in the spirit or in the flesh. And he's saying, how do you know? Well, here's the evidence. Adultery. Okay? The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, which is sexual sin involving at least one married person. Tipping out on your marriage. Breaking your covenant vows before God. Bringing another person into the relationship sexually that is not supposed to be there. Amen. Amen. Fornication. The overarching word. Amen. All other sexual sins, nothing is excluded. Any sex committed without marriage between a man or a woman. Any. That's fornication. Amen. Porneia is the word. Where we get pornography. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Uncleanness, which is unnatural sex, which falls in under the category of homosexuality, lesbianism, amen? The LGBT, all that stuff. Unnatural sex in all of its various forms as we know it today and as it will probably change by tomorrow. Whatever they say it is, God is saying that is uncleanness. Amen? Here's another one. Lasciviousness. That is un, that's indecent sexual behavior. There we go. Indecent sexual behavior. Sex including violence, brutality, lack of restraint, complete perversion, shamelessness. You know, things that you do in public that should be done privately. Put that away. We don't want to see all that. That is lasciviousness. People who are sexually sick. Amen? You go out on a date, and while you're eating your salad, they're thinking of stuff that they want to do with you. And you're like, has that been on your mind this whole time? That's too far. What's wrong with you? You secretly call an Uber without them knowing. Check, please. <laughs> you into some stuff. I'm not into all that. How far do we have to go? What does it take? Lasciviousness. Okay? All right. Now, watch this. Sexual sin is not just acts. There you go. Sexual sin is also in the mind. In fact, it starts there. Okay? So just in case you disagree with me, let's get some heavy hitter. Spurgeon says this. Any kind of sensual indulgence, whatever it may be, a lustful glance, the cherishing of an unclean desire, the utterance of a foul expression, immoral thoughts, passions, ideas, fantasies, and every other form of sexual corruption. It's all condemned. 
as well as the overt acts of fornication, all that other stuff is condemned. Amen? There are things that we think that are impure, as well as there are things that we say that are impure. There are things that we hear that are impure. You got people who are Christians who listen to certain comedians. And they just put a bunch of filth out on TV and you Netflix that stuff all to death. And we just laugh about it. These things are not from the Spirit of God. They are from a sensual nature that is not from God. They are love songs. You know, they got songs that people write. They're love songs that, you know, fit into a certain category. Some things are way past Luther Vandross. Way. Way. I thought Leah and Luther. <laughs> now you got stuff that's like, what did she just say? Are you kidding me? I have children. Are you hearing me? It's just completely out there. Amen? Not all love songs fit into this category, but some do. Amen? Some TV shows. Uh huh. They're just based on impurity. That's all they're doing is just throwing impurity at you. Just throwing, just, you know, we just go get our TV dinner and sit there and binge season three, season four, season five. What you watching? Impure. Impure season seven. Many Christians are too comfortable with this type of content. These things may never be things that we actually participate in. Things that we may not be doing presently. We may be laughing at them, or we may memorize the lyrics to them, or be shocked by some of the things we hear and some of the statements. But just know this, these things are not from the Spirit of God. They are not pleasing to God, and believers would do well to filter these things out. I know it's not popular, but I got to tell you, some of this stuff trapped me so bad it completely wasted decades of my life. Amen? Just completely wasted decades of my life. I'm not above it. I've done it, and I'm here to tell you about it. Amen? What I want you to understand is that this book of Galatians is written to the people of the early church who were coming away from a culture that was totally opposite of what Paul was preaching about. They were into some stuff, folks. And then here comes, you know, Paul saying, no, 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 we don't do that. They're like, what? Are you serious? That's what we do. They were used to doing things that Jesus hated and died for. Amen? That's real. Nothing new. Stuff that we got going on today, stuff like, you know, that was going on before. Amen? Here's the history. Christianity brought chastity, a virtue that was foreign to the Greco-Roman world. Uh-huh. Into this world, pagan idolatry, uh, they were, there was sexual immorality that was not condemned, but it was not only condoned, but it was treated as it was normal. Amen? 
The Christian faith came in as a purifying fire for the sexual habits of that day. Athenaeus, who got it? A writer from the second century AD quotes a speech from Demosthenes. And this is what he said We keep a mistress for pleasure, we keep concubines for concubinage. We have wives, on the other hand, so that we can produce children legitimately and have someone to be a legal guardian who is trustworthy to watch over our property in our domestic affairs. So you got somebody you're sleeping with on top of other people you're sleeping with, but you got a wife. And you only have legitimate children with this one because you can pass on all your stuff to this one, but you got a trail of folks that you've been sleeping with. That was the Greco-Roman world. Kenneth Wuest records that the moral life of the Greco-Roman world had sunk so low that while they constantly protested against corruption, sexual fornication, however, had long come to be regarded as a matter of moral indifference and was indulged without, was indulged in without shame or scruple. Not only by the masses was this done, but by philosophers, men of distinction, who were in other respects leading exemplary lives. Isn't that interesting? This kind of sounds like what we have today. Certain pastors who preach one thing and live another. Mm -hmm. who are very influential. They have a huge platform of preaching the word to thousands and thousands. And people listen to what they say and they think that these people live exemplary lives, but they are contrary to what they're preaching in the bedroom. Amen? There's like some kind of mix-up. Like these things don't go together. Amen? I'll never forget, my father told me a story years ago. He went to go do a concert for a very well-known pastor of this huge church. And after the concert was over, my dad got into a limo, headed to the hotel, and a pastor of that church offered him a choice of people that he could sleep with. You really minister, Bishop Hawkins? Take your pick. That's a true story. When my father refused his offer, this is the part that blew me away. The pastor was shocked because evidently he thought that this was the norm. That's interesting. My dad was shocked. Man, what you doing? Pastor? So here's the thing. What's the solution? Am I boring you? You don't look like it. How do we deal with the flesh and its appetites? Is it just me that wants to know? How do we deal with not only the action but the thoughts? How do we deal with it? Well, first things first. 
First, we must accurately recognize how offensive the sin is to God. Amen? Which means we have to agree with God and what his word says about what we're thinking or what we're doing. There will be no rescue unless you agree to hold on to the robe. And there will be no rescue until you agree. Amen? In the midst of our decision-making, we need to, in the moment of temptation, do you agree? Huh? Do you agree? Amen. If we arm ourselves with the truth and agree with the truth, then this will help us to make informed choices about what we decide to do or not to do with our bodies. Amen? The difficulty in this for us, saints of God, is being willing to be honest. Amen? Yeah, Lord. It. Here. Me. Over here, God. Shine the light over here. Over. Nope. There you go. Here. Right here. Okay? We live in a day where the world is doing what I would call repackaging sin. <laughs> right? Changing the label on a bottle does not convert poison into Kool-Aid. Changing the label on a bottle of poison will not make it Kool-Aid. Okay? If you just decide to legitimize sin, it does not mean that that sin is no longer harmless. Okay? The world makes sin glamorous. Yes, it does. The Word of God strips sin of that glamour and shows the body of Christ, what that sin really is. Amen? This light making or making light of sin, that's what causes the world to gradually become more and more comfortable with the sin that God hates. Even to the point to where the minimization of sin, the minimization of sin becomes someone's truth. That's my truth. I've minimized this thing so far, so far to where I believe my own hype. I believe my own new repackaged definition. <laughs> this is no longer that. No, 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 no. I've gone to college. I've studied a few things. I know what the Bible says. This is a new generation, pastor. It's a new day. And that is no longer murder. That's something else. No, I didn't just pull out a, shot, a shotgun and blow them away. No, that's not quite what it is. <laughs> no. This sin is something else now. I've repackaged it. Now, that's my truth. You have your truth, Christians. But I have mine. Two contradictory truths cannot be simultaneously true. <laughs> This is not a banana. This is a speaker. Don't sit on a banana. That's going to be nasty. But I could sit on a speaker. Two contradictory truths that are completely opposite 
are not both true. Amen? The Word of God, again, strips off the glamour of sin and shows you what it really is. It's actually just one thing in a long list of things that God actually hates and sent his son to die for. Evidently, God doesn't think this is something that we should minimize into our truth. Amen? John 16, 13. How do we deal with this? How do we deal with these lustful appetites? How do we deal with sexual sins in acts or deed? John 16, 13. A. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. It all starts, saints of God, with the spirit of truth being in you. And before that, the only way to get the spirit of truth is to get saved. That's it. Amen? You can't get the spirit of truth without first making Jesus Christ your Lord and Master, repenting of your sins, agreeing with God that you're a sinner, agreeing with God that you deserve the wages of sin, which is death, agreeing with God that you are in need of a Savior, that you need eternal life, agreeing with God what he says in his word about your present condition. You don't get the Holy Spirit being cocky about who you are. You get the Holy Spirit who gives you wisdom by being humbled by who you've been. Whoa! 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 Did you get that? When I realize what God has done to save me, and I appreciate that truth, then the Holy Spirit comes in. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Woo! The gospel is the beginning. Amen? Wisdom and truth when it comes to your sexual choices. I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to me. Okay? I am that 97%. Okay? <laughs> yeah, it's not good. It's not good. Okay? This wisdom, this truth, the spirit of truth does not come in, saints, and this is what I'm going to show you. And this is how it relates to Galatians. This is, this is the trick of the enemy. It does not come in by modification of your sexual habits. You don't modify yourself in your own strength. Amen? You know, if I want to change the look of my house, I might need some outside in people, you know. I want to modify and remodel. I want to modify. What do I do? I call one of the designer guys, and they come in, and that's what you need to do. You know, because <laughs> I don't know. I'm just a regular dude. I don't know. I'm, I've been matching up wrong purples, and it'll look a mess by the time I'm done with it. Okay? If I want to get something done and modified, I, I don't modify myself. I'm going to need somebody to help me with that. Think about it, okay? I need somebody from the outside, amen? Modification of sexual habits in your own strength does not happen. It does not work. It does not last, amen? It is not long-lasting. Come on, Holy Spirit, bring this truth home. This happens only by one way, and that is when the Holy Spirit 
gets inside of you, he begins to rule you. That's it. There is no other way. There will be no long-lasting change. How did I end up in this situation? How did I do that? Are you born again? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Have you been made new or have you made a temporary modification? Back that up, Pastor. Okay. Here we go. Turn to Luke 11, 21. This astounded me. This perplexed me. This truth that Jesus gives in this parable makes so much sense. And it's the opposite of what we've been teaching in church, which is you get it together, you pull yourself together, you figure it out, you get better, you get better, you get better, you try, 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 try. I've been saying it for weeks. It doesn't work. Now, Jesus is going to say it a little differently, better than I would, okay? Luke 11, 21, 26. 21 to 26. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. Okay? When he is armed and strong, nothing can take his goods. His goods are undisturbed. He's set up his defense system. Everything is well when the strong man is armed. Verse 22. But when a stronger than he (laughs) shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor. He strips his armor wherein he trusted. He strips the previous strong man's armor that he trusted in, that he thought was secure for him, that made him invincible. He didn't realize someone was stronger than him. Amen? He, that stronger one comes and strips him of his armor, amen, that he trusted in, and then he takes the spoils and divides his spoils. You see it? You see it? Amen. What are you saying, Pastor? Before we were saved, Satan and his demons had us under their complete control. They kept every last one of us in prison and guarded us by armor. But when we heard the truth, (laughs) when we heard the gospel, when we believed the truth, Jesus moved in. Uh huh, and he's much, much, much stronger than Satan in all his armory. He disarms Satan and he forces Satan to release his goods. He forced Satan to let me and you go. No, <laughs> Jesus invaded Satan's prior house. Yes, he did kicked him out and moved in in that day and he moves in to stay. Jesus pronounced to Satan, give me what's mine. This belongs to me. That one belongs to me. That one belongs to me. That one belongs to me. You no longer have authority over them. Give me what's mine. I'm stronger than you. I'm taking it by force. That's what Jesus has done. 
He goes in to where we were in prison and what we were doing and the bondage that we were in and he snatches us from the enemy. And he takes us by force. Give me Jamie Hawkins. Then you don't belong to you. Huh? I'm glad about it. How many set free people we got up in here today? Huh? Woo! This means that Jesus effectively, without any doubt, pronounces that he is now in rulership over that house. He is now living inside of you and me. He's stronger. Yes, he is. Amen. Jesus is now in charge. Now, verse 23 is interesting. Let me give you some help here. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth. There's a lot of interpretations on that, but let me just kind of fit this into a little context here so you don't lose the thought. There are only two kingdoms. The kingdom of God and a counterfeit kingdom. Amen? There is no middle kingdom of you. (laughs) Amen? You're either on God's side and rescued by the Savior, or you are with your religious self still imprisoned by Satan. Amen? Which means, ladies and gentlemen, newsflash, bulletin, read the email. You can't help you. You can't rescue you. Okay? Amen. You want to be free? You must know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Amen. Now, verse 24. This is how this ties back into Galatians. When the unclean spirit, the demon, is gone out of a man, amen. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest. And when he findeth none, he saith, I will return unto my house. When the demon is gone out of man, the demon, watch this, saints, in this case has not been exercised or the demon has not been kicked out by Jesus. In this case, the demon is not cast out by Christ. Okay? Satan is not omnipresent. He has forces and ranks of demons. Amen? And Satan cannot be everywhere at the same time. So he has to assign his demons strategically to forward his agenda. God is everywhere at the same time. God is not the same as Satan. Satan has to pull resources from time to time in order to get his agenda to go forward. Amen? So that means that he moves his army his forces around from time to time to keep his agenda going. Amen? So a person may experience some temporary freedom for a while. Because the demon left, but he didn't get kicked out. Are you following me? Okay? All right. A drug addict from time to time will look like they're doing better. They've had a few things that they've shifted around. They've gotten a little bit released. I feel a little stronger now. And it's like, you know, you seen Bobby Joe? Bobby Joe looking good. Y'all see, man? Bobby Joe, he's doing all right now. And then, you know, a month or two later, what what happened with Bobby Joe? He was doing so good. Demon, left for a minute. 
looked around out there in the desert, didn't like the accommodations, and says, you know what? I will return unto, notice the word, my house. You catch that? Okay. All right. He walks into the tribe places. I will return from my house. Keep going. Whence I came out. He returned to his old residence. Amen? And then watch this. Verse 25. This is key. This is how we relate to the Galatians here. And when he cometh, this demon, he findeth it swept and garnished. Okay? Swept. Morality change. Keeping the law in your own power. You know? And garnished. To, that means to adorn and dress up and make yourself look presentable. Women will adorn themselves. They'll put on a barrette. They'll put on some jewelry. You know what I'm saying? You make yourself look good for a little bit. What happened? I swept up my own life. I got it together a little bit. I did my own cleaning. Are you seeing it? Huh? Morality change. Make myself look presentable. Verse 26. Then he goeth after the demon sees that the place is swept clean by you. <laughs> <laughs> Then he goeth and he taketh to himself, what? Himself, seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. Are you seeing what's happening? You can't just take out your broom and clean out your life and sweep up yourself and modify yourself. Uh-huh. You're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. If the Holy Spirit is not there putting his desires, then you and your broom ain't strong enough for no demon. Yeah. Are you hearing me, saints? This is only accomplished through salvation. This is only accomplished by but being led by the Spirit. This is why you don't just get saved and do the best you can. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit for a reason. Why? Because he's absolutely necessary. Are you hearing me? Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to those who believe in him. People must get saved and not only get saved, you must get saved and filled, and that happens at the same time. Are you hearing me? Filled with the Spirit. Human reform and obeying rules and cleaning up your own life is not enough. You need to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine, for that is an excess, but be filled. Are you hearing me? Amen? Keep being filled. Stay in your word. Stay in prayer. Fill up on the Spirit. Fill up on the word of God. Take that word in. Turn off that TV. Huh? Find yourself some private time. Get before the Lord. Huh? Why? Because you got decisions to make. There's a demon roaming around, seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for the empty spaces. 
And if he doesn't find empty spaces with you, he's looking for the people who would decide to garnish themselves and, and, and adorn themselves versus allowing the Holy Spirit to put the plant here and, and to put the couch there and, and, and to put the righteousness over here and, and the joy and peace over here and, and, and the fruit of the Spirit all over the house. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for the folks who think they can, can handle temperance in their own power. You can't do it. Can't do it. Are you hearing me, saints? Nobody has swept up their life and stayed clean of sexual immorality forever. What happens? I tell you what happens. The Holy Spirit must come in. He's stronger. Amen? I hope you're getting this. I hope you're getting this. Paul. Paul is basically saying that the Holy Spirit moves in at the moment of salvation, and he doesn't waste any time because he knows that vacancy is dangerous for the Christian. Ooh, that's why he comes in immediately. You get saved, you get the Spirit. You get saved, you get the Spirit. I don't have to roll on the floor, (laughs) foam at the mouth, say a bunch of thank you, Jesus, until I pass out. Where the people spit in your face until you receive Jesus. No, 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 no. You get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in because there's no time to play. Are you seeing that? The enemy is looking for vacancies. Okay? So, the Holy Spirit comes in, and then we continue in the Spirit. You know? Because why? We have issues. We have sexual proclivities, tendencies, things that we do. I don't care how old you are. You ain't past it. You ain't impressing me. (laughs) Don't look around. Paul said in Corinthians, the 12th chapter, three times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My grace is sufficient. All right? My power works best in weakness. So now I gladly boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, I am strong. Here's the thing, saints. I am not strong enough and wise enough to clean up my own situation. Okay? I'm just not. To remove the desire from the sinners is not enough. The heart needs something to cling to. Okay? The love of sin must be replaced with the love of God. Many times God will not remove your sin. He will let you struggle with your sin. Because he delights in you making choices that conquer your sin. Did you catch that? Why am I still struggling? Because he wants you to conquer. Why are you still struggling? Because he wants you to conquer. He wants you to use his strength and not yours. Are you hearing me? Amen. He delights in you making a choice. I want you to choose me. Choose me over that. Choose me over them. Ah. Can I go there, Lord? Okay. 
Verse 24, Galatians 5. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. Crucified, instrument of death, okay? They have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. We have nailed the sinful desires to the cross by having faith in Jesus Christ, meaning that those things have now died with Jesus. We reckon ourselves dead to sin. Those things have died with Jesus. Amen? Jesus, when he died for me, he took those things. Amen? To the cross for me and nailed them to the cross. They're dead. I have to consider that they're dead. I have to believe that they're dead. My flesh is not redeemed, but my spirit man tells me, wait a minute, Jesus took care of this already. He's stronger than this. And if he's inside of me, then he's given me the power to overcome. There will be a, a way of making a, a, of escape that is made. Amen? And we are crucifying that stuff, uh, uh, crucifying the flesh. <clears throat> With the affections and the lust, meaning my love for Jesus. So not just faith in Jesus, but my love for Jesus. He becomes the main attraction. He becomes the thing that I am longing for. He becomes the person that I want the most. Are you hearing me? Love for Christ is so great, amen, that the enticements have lost their power. They're not gone but they are totally subdued because I think about how much Jesus loves me. Oh, help me, Holy Spirit. So it's not just the abstaining from sin that gives you the victory, saints. It's reflecting on the sacrifice of Jesus, faith in Christ, and the love for Jesus, huh? love for Christ, that gives the believer victory over their proclivities. Are you hearing me? The power of sexual sin comes from looking for love in all the wrong places. The victory over sin comes from focusing on the love of Jesus that you already have. That's how Satan got Eve. Look what's missing, honey. That's how he got her. You got everything but this. Instead of going, wait a minute, I don't need all that. I already got this. You see the trick? It's not fixating on what you don't have. It's focusing on who you already got. That's the power. It's the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. For the flesh lusts, verse 17. Go back up to 17, and we're in here. Oh, I love this. Woo. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. Remember? and the spirit against the flesh. And these are constantly contrary, amen, to one to the other, the one to the other. Your fleshly appetite will not agree with you, as I've said before, amen? It will not agree with the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to fight this thing until death. That's just the bottom line, amen? Okay, we're not, as David is always talking about, we're not glorified yet, amen? We're going to fight it until death, amen? Amen. But watch this interesting part. This, I got to just touch on this. The... For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are constantly contrary the one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. I didn't touch on this last week, but I want to say this really clearly so you understand this. The spirit is in you. Watch this. So you cannot do what you would used to do. Do you, do you, do you believe that? 
do you really believe he's that powerful? Because that's who Jesus gave you. He gave you the spirit so that you would not and I would not do something wrong. My nose? Huh? Don't talk to this, okay. So that you would not do what you would normally do. Amen? The spirit works in you so you would not so easily be overcome. Huh? By your flesh. Amen? I love this last thing I want to show you. Just can I get two more points? That's it. John 14.30 says this. This just blew me away. Is it okay if we shine a light on who Jesus is? Is it okay if we we recognize how awesome Jesus is? Amen? This, this, This son of God who came from heaven to show us Huh? How to be holy. Jesus didn't just, you know, just bypass this experience. He, he, he put holiness on display. This is what the law looks like in the flesh if you are in the spirit. You, you see what I'm saying? This is, this is what the spirit can do in the believer. Amen? He, he put his holiness on display. Hereafter, John 14, 30. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. Okay? And he makes this real simple statement that got past me, but this time I caught it. I will not talk much with you. I'm getting ready to go to the cross. I don't have much more to say. Why? For the prince of this world. Who's that? The devil. He's coming. He cometh. He's on his way. Jesus knows all things. The prince of this world cometh. And then he says this little statement that just blessed my heart. He cometh. And he hath nothing in me. I always wondered what that meant. Jesus is totally sinless. Perfectly holy in every way. Jesus had nothing in him that Satan could work with. There was no pull and tug. Are you hearing me? Jesus was tempted just like we were. However, Satan had nothing that he could work with. Jesus was not going to fall in sin because he would not give Satan an inch. We are not like Jesus in that area, are we? This is why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to us. His power enables us to become more and more increasingly like him. Because if Satan were to have his way, I would never do anything. That will glorify God. So what did Jesus do? Satan ain't got nothing in me to work with. And I'm going to give my spirit that ain't got nothing for Satan to work with and put him in you. So that when the temptation comes, you remember, wait a minute, greater is he. That is in me. Then, watch this, the prince of this world. Are you hearing me? If you're like me, and you're honest, I've messed up badly in this area. Hmm? Anybody else? I have much 
to repent for. Much I've had to repent. Much that I'm constantly repenting. I may not necessarily be involved in the acts, but I'm constantly dealing with the thoughts. And it's the thoughts that lead to the acts. Are you hearing me? That's why Jesus is always telling us, which is the, 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 the scripture this church is based on, huh? renewing your mind, renewing over and over and over again. Not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen? I messed up in this area. But here's the beautiful thing. God didn't give up on me. No, he didn't. He changed me. And I am now, and I can say, every single day of my life, I'm getting victory over sexual sin. I am. This was not my story before. But my story has been changed. And if there's anybody here that's dealing with this, I want you to know, God won't give up on you. You can come to God. He will forgive you. He will set you free. He will deliver you. He will give you a new perspective on what you're doing. He will cause you to see what you're doing the way he sees what you're doing. Amen? He will cause you to realize that this is, there's no good end for you if you keep going down this road. Amen? But you got to be honest. You got to be honest with yourself. You got to be honest with God. You got to agree with God. Don't give decades of your life to Satan. There is no good result from that. If you've messed up, that's all right. God loves you. He will clean you up, but you've got to repent. You've got to come straight with God and say, Lord, I'm just like Pastor Hawkins. I blew it. But can you take this, this little bit, that mess that I have left? Is your grace greater? Yes, it is. Does your grace reach lower than my low? Yes, it does. Can you lift me out of the muck and the mire? Yes, you can. Yes, you will, because you love me that much. You love me that much. You love me that much. We should seek to recognize how offensive these sins are to God's holiness. Then having our senses trained by accurate clarification on what these things really are. We might be forearmed when the next time our unredeemed flesh seeks to cause us to act out and lash out with one of these sins. Thus armed with God's truth, not ours, we can instead choose the will of God and praise him for enabling us by his grace to walk in the power of his spirit who gives us the victory in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. My attempt today was not to shame anybody. Nor was my attempt today just to give you some reform or modification of your sexual habits. I don't know who's listening to this streaming service. That's not my goal. My goal is to have the believers of God glorify God in their bodies. Amen? Which are the Lord's. Amen? Amen? No matter what sexual status you're in, we are to glorify God with our bodies. Amen? And if you're not saved, you need to be. You can be free today. 
You can live holy today. You can be set free from your bondage today. You can be forgiven today. God is no respect of persons. Your sins are not too great for the love of God. Turn to Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Bring these things to him. Agree with God's word and be set free. Amen? Father, we thank you so much. 